Do you know more about the Real Housewives than you do about your own family? Do you have strong opinions about Cody Brown's move to Flagstaff? I know I do. If that also sounds like you, then this is the podcast for all your reality TV pleasures. Recaps of episodes, reality TV gossip, and whatever I may feel like sprinkling in between. So come along with me, your host Catherine, on my adventures in reality TV. Hello everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. I hope everybody's had a lovely couple of weeks since my last episode. Um, A lot of people found my Vanderpump Rules episode and listened, so that was really, really exciting to see that. I want to thank everybody who found the podcast and gave it a listen. Anybody who found the podcast on Instagram or has emailed the podcast, thank you, thank you, thank you. It makes me so excited to see more people listening and enjoying the podcast. So thank you for that. And I'm going to try and keep being consistent with episodes. You know, your girl isn't perfect, but I'm trying, okay? So thank you for being along this ride with me, continuing to be. And yeah, um, you know, I, in the vein of Vanderpump Rules being the last episode I did, I went to Las Vegas last week to visit one of my very dear friends, my childhood best friend has lived in Vegas for years and so I went to visit her and I took a little gander a little pop in and eh, not a pop in because they weren't open when I was there but I did get to see Vanderpump Vegas uh the the garden that's Vanderpump's garden in Caesar's Palace and you know it's a pretty establishment lots of gardeny trees that type of stuff you kind of look like you're walking into a pearl-encrusted garden, darling. And I don't know what the food is because I wasn't able to eat there. Um, I did originally want to go to Vendepont Perry in the Paris hotel, but I got hungover, and so I did not feel like eating really expensive French food when I could barely hold anything down. <laughs> so instead, I went to Gordon Ramsay's restaurant in Caesar's Palace, and that was lovely, too. But... You know, thankfully, my best friend lives in Vegas, so I will definitely be back, and I will be there ready to eat the mediocre food and also the praised upon um, goat cheese balls that I've heard many, many things about at Sir, at, you know, Vanderpump Paris, at Tom Tom, all of, you know, the one good menu item of Vanderpump. Um... But yeah, so that was like probably the closest I'll ever get to anything Vanderpump related, but it was still cool to see, and I'll keep you posted if I ever end up eating there. In the meantime, I just took a picture, and I posted it on the podcast Instagram, at Adventures in Reality TV, so make sure you're following me there to get, you know, my fun takes on all sorts of things reality TV, maybe even a little scripted TV, you know, never go wrong with my hot takes on entertainment. (laughs) So yeah, um, another bit of Vanderpump News rule, Vanderpump Rules News, they started filming the reunion this weekend. So uh, Instagram and Bravo was all abuzz with pictures of, you know, the cast showing up in their outfits. Uh, Also, the seating chart for the reunion was released in for people who aren't well aware of Bravo reunion shows, um, the seating chart at reunions is very important and is an indicator of kind of how each person's season has gone. So you have Andy in the middle 
And then the closer center the person is, closer to Andy, they're sitting, that's kind of, they've had more of the exciting season, more stuff to talk about. Um, And then as you go out on the outskirts, you know, away from Andy, you are not as important. Let's just put it that way. You had a boring season and we don't have as much to talk to you about. That's usually the case. (laughs) Now, with this whole Raquel and Sheena thing happening that, you know, Raquel says that allegedly Sheena punched her. So she had a uh, restraining order taken out against her. Obviously, everybody figured this is just a way for Raquel to get out of going to the reunion. But that wasn't going to fly. I don't think Bravo was going to give her the option. I think it was like, honey, if you want to have a spot on next season, you need to show up. <laughs> and I think the re- the restraining order, it also pertained to Zoom as well. So it wasn't like Raquel would be Zoomed in. Now I have heard that this restraining order was dropped. So now they are able to film together if they wanted to. But Bravo decided to split up the segments between Sheena and Raquel. So they would be separate and not sitting on the stage together at the same time. Uh, But Raquel and Tom and Ariana are all going to be on the stage at the same time. And I'm excited. There's also going to be a segment of um, just Tom and Ariana with Andy. And I'm going to be just chomping at the bit waiting to see that. I can't wait to hear Sandoval try and pull out his wannabe acting workshop tears and try to explain his way out of this or he's going to try and make himself look like the biggest victim um or that like he's so sorry and he understands how nobody could ever love him and he's a terrible person and really lean into that and then Raquel will see what sentences she can string together (laughs) I'm, I'm not expecting much from her Because she can barely form coherent thoughts as it is. Now, I have praised Raquel in the past. I've liked in these last couple of episodes we've seen that she is giving it to Lala and standing up to Lala. I'm not a fan of Lala. Uh, She is a bad representation of Virgos. Just going to put it out there. And I like seeing Raquel pretty much flat out say, like, shut up, Lala. Stop talking about me getting with other people's guys when you are a mistress and you slept with a married man for years. Like, shut up. And you also fucked my boyfriend when we were together. You know, now at this point, Scandival hadn't came out and nobody knows that actually she's fucking Sandoval, but her point still stands. Shut up, Lala. (laughs) Where am I going now with this? Oh, anyways, yes. So the reunions have started filming. I'm not sure when they'll premiere... I can't remember if it's going to, we're going to get 12 episodes this season. So probably six, seven weeks from now. And I'm sure it'll be three parts. Got to get all the good stuff. And honestly, like, does anything else in this season matter anymore? Like, I don't even care about the Raquel and Schwartz of it all now. Because we know it didn't go anywhere. And it was just, (laughs) ended up right after they, you know, pretended, Raquel and Schwartz pretended they liked each other. And wanted to make out, she's actually ending up fucking Sandoval. Ay, ay, ay. Okay. Anyways, we got a lot of excitement coming up in these weeks. Another thing in reality TV um, happenings is the new season of Love is Blind premiered last week on Netflix. 
and I have watched the first five episodes already. I don't want to spoil too much in case people haven't seen all the episodes, so I'm not going to talk about couples or anything. Uh, I will talk about a few individuals who I'm <laughs> deeply uh, entertained and disturbed by, and also people I don't like. So, Zach, the guy with the dead um, stripper mom, he needs therapy. He does not need a wife. He clearly has a lot of mommy issues, a lot of issues with how he was raised and how he's been judged for how he's been raised. And, oh, he's just, he's so corny. And I don't want to spoil too much, but he has the the audacity, the audacity to sing in a proposal that he makes to somebody and... I know that those producers and those Netflix producers were cackling in the editing room when they added that in there. And the whole thing, like I'm saying, the audacity of white men that he thought this was going to work out, he could sing this song, and then the woman he proposed to would actually still be in love with him. Oh, Oh, God. Oh, he's so bad. Um... The other person who I strongly dislike is Micah. She seems to be ready to play games. She's very competitive with the other women, and it comes off really mean girl. Her and Irina are, like, two friends that just, like, don't talk to anybody else. Like, I don't think anybody else likes the two of them. And they're just really clicky. Um, They're sitting there, like, in the girls' living area as, like, other girls are upset about dates going badly or getting dumped, and they're just kind of like, my God, why are they upset? It's so ridiculous. Micah, I don't have very fond feelings towards her. I think she can... She is the perfect person that will be on another Netflix dating show, whether it's Are You the One, uh, Perfect Match too hot to handle, whatever. This is why she came on Love is Blind, to be on one of those shows eventually. I guess Godspeed to her. (laughs) She also does not strike me as somebody who lives in Seattle. I mean, obviously all sorts of people live in Seattle. It's not all just coffee drinking, beanie wearing hippies, I know. But to me, I just feel like Micah has the personality of somebody who would be in Seattle and be like, Ew, it rains all the time here. Gross. I don't know. It just, I don't like her. I don't like her. Um, some people I do really like on the show are Amber, and I'm sad that we don't see more of her. I liked her, and I found her energy to be cool. Um, I Some of the guys that I liked, I really like Brett. He seems very interesting. I like his story of how... He became an artist or, like, a designer without any sort of, like, formal training. You know, interesting stories like that. I'm also, like, a boring, like, dating reality TV show watcher because I like the normal people. (laughs) I like the people that are just like, yeah, I have a normal life and I just want to find, like, a normal person to spend my life with. Um, Maybe it's just because I've watched so much reality TV and I've seen so many people be bullshitters on reality TV that when you finally just get a genuine person that's like, yeah, I'm here to find love in this unconventional way, I I just fall for it. I eat it right up. 
<laughs> but yeah, so um, maybe in a couple of weeks I'll start talking more in depth. But yeah, I don't really want to spoil anything for anybody right now because it's been less than a week that the episodes have been out. So I'm going to be nice. I'm going to let people catch up. You know, we've got a lot of reality TV happening. So I'll give people grace that they aren't right on top of it. <laughs> um, man, this intro has been long and I haven't even gotten to Seeking Brother Husband yet. Well, I guess let's jump into it now, shall we? Let me get my, my computer went to sleep. All right, let's talk about it. I'm going to go through each of the couples. There's three couples we were introduced to this week. And then the fourth couple we will get, we'll meet in episode two. And like I mentioned before, I really liked the episode. I thought this was a good, um, I'd like the, I think the couples each bring a different dynamic in their relationship to the show. So it's not all couples looking for a third or all couples having marital troubles with their brother husbands. We have one couple who is looking for their first brother husband. We have a couple that um, already have two brother husbands and are looking for a third. And then there's another couple that has, um, you know, is on the rocks with their brother husband. And they're trying to kind of figure out how they bring everyone together, but also still date. So there's a lot of different dynamics, and I appreciate that. Also, the people are uh, weird enough that I can judge them and feel good about myself for doing it, which... It's always a plus in reality TV. I mean, why else are we watching reality TV except to judge the people that we are watching? And whew, I can tell by the just this first episode, whew, I'm going to have some thoughts about these people. <laughs> so let's jump into it. The first couple is Elisa, Elisa and Mike, and they're from Los Angeles, California, California. California. Sorry. Anybody watch the OC? I'm sure everybody watched the OC that's listening to this. And they are in their early 30s. Uh, I believe they're Elisa's 32. And Elisa and Mike have been married for almost four years. And we see filming or we see shots of them, you know, frolicking on the beaches of Southern California. And they met at a music festival probably Coachella, you know, they seem like that type. And Elisa describes them as opposite personalities. So she is a social media manager. He is an engineer. And she essentially explains it as like, she's spontaneous. She's more creative. And her boring ass engineer husband is definitely much more um, orderly and not spontaneous. <laughs> so Mike is her number one partner. And hopefully Elisa is going to find a number two. I also noticed they have a very, very cute kitty. It almost looked like a short-legged kitty, um, but that made an appearance and that made me happy. And we get a few different explanations. Of course, they have to explain to us the difference between polyamory and polyandry. So polyamory is having multiple partners, both a man and a woman having multiple partners. And then polyandry is a woman having multiple male partners. So obviously that's what they're doing in this case. Elisa is going to try and find man number two. And <laughs> this episode, it's very obvious what the producers are doing is having the couples, like, do something in the living room together and talk about how they felt about becoming brother-husbands or taking multiple partners. And so the way that Eliza 
and Mike do it are they are scrapbooking in their living room. Uh, pictures of their wedding. <laughs> how awkward. Let's scrapbook pictures from our wedding while we talk about how we came to the decision that I'm going to fuck another guy. <laughs> so this is when we find out Eliza, Elisa, fuck, what is her name? I'm so, Elisa. Elisa cheated on Mike while they were dating. <laughs> Shocker. And I shouldn't say, okay, polyamorous people are not cheaters. I'm not saying that if you have a brother or husband, you're a cheater. Um, but by based on the dynamic of them and how little Mike seems to be into this, but he's playing along that he is, yeah, it makes sense that Elisa uh, cheated on him. <laughs> and she explains, you know, her and Mike were like inseparable together. And, you know, they were always together and, you know, so happy and so that's why she had no idea how she could fall in love with a guy that she met line dancing. Like, oh my gosh, I'm I'm so happy with Mike, but like, I never knew I could fall in love with this man. Oh. Um, so yeah, of course we have to get the segment of Elisa saying, you know, she was super happy with Mike, but she just had a really intense connection with somebody else when she went line dancing. <laughs> Okay, sounds good. So Mike, of course, has to say the generic thing. Like, it was very rocky and hard to get to that point. Um, he said that he eventually read some psychology and dating books. So I guess I gave him all of the information he needed and the guidance to become open to the idea of letting Elisa uh, pursue other partners. Well, that's good. I want to know what books he read. I wonder if he read... <laughs> What if he ended up reading Kenya and Carl's books about relationships that they read, wrote together? That would be a crazy full circle moment. Someone find that out. Anybody got Mike's? Does Mike have an Instagram? Maybe I'll DM him and be like, what books did you read to get you open to this idea? Um, you know, and they're talking more, doing their scrapbooking. And Elisa says, you know, it's not what couples typically do. And Mike, very dead in the eyes looking and very monotone sounding, says, Yeah, well, it's working for us. Uh, it, it was like the chuckle of a robot. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. I don't think, I think Mike is very much on autopilot and is just like, Yeah, this is what's going to work. I read some books about it and I became open to the idea. Obviously, the two of them have been very hesitant to tell a lot of their friends and family because they know they're going to be judged. You know, I mean, there's assholes like me making podcasts about this. So, yes, makes sense. They're very hesitant to tell their friends and family. And at one point, Elisa gets teary-eyed, um, you know, and I think it's because she knows she needs to come off appreciative <laughs> of Mike for allowing this. And she says, you know, Mike could have left me. And said he didn't want to be around with me anymore. But, you know, he understands Eliza, Lisa's need for random dick. So he stuck around and good on him. She's very appreciative. And she knows that Mike just, just gets her. <laughs> so later in the episode, we see Elisa at her mom's house. And she is preparing her dating profile. I want to know what dating app she went on. Was it, like, did she go on your typical, like, Tinder or bumble hinge or are there 
Are there specific dating apps that you could have went on for, like, ladies seeking a second husband or, you know, married? I, I know there's obviously dating apps for, like, people that are married and dating. Um, I feel really, like, inept because I don't. That also reminds me I got a bad <laughs> Apple review saying I was inept in various ways. Well, they are right in this regard because I am inept when it comes to dating apps. I met my husband in grad school. Um... And then never use dating apps. So I feel very ignorant to them. And it scares me to be that ignorant about dating apps because it's truly like the primary form of dating today. And I'm worried that like, what if something happens one day to my husband, knock on wood, and I have to go back out in the dating scene and I don't know how to do any of it. I need to stop thinking so much. But anyways, Elisa is preparing her new dating profile. She's wanting to put out that new energy. She wants to manifest all of the good extra dick that she can get. And so she's having her mom help her take some profile pics. <laughs> I'm just imagining going over to my mom's house and saying, hey mom, can you take pictures for my dating profile? Um, because I'm going to go date some other people. And don't worry, hubby is totally fine with it. Uh, here, let's take one with me holding the wine glass so I look cute and flirty. Can you do it a little farther behind? Okay, thanks, Mom. <laughs> and, of course, her mom still has a hard time wrapping her, her mind around this. But she is very supportive. Like, she's taking the pictures, you know. She's not full-on, like, you know, mean girls. <laughs> Amy Poehler, like, you're doing great, sweetie. But she's supportive. She's taking your pictures. And her mom at one point asked, like, you know, why can't you just be satisfied with Mike? He's a good guy, you know? But, of course, you got can't have what you have. You can't be happy with what you have. You just got to keep going for more. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. But it is kind of funny. Her mom is just like, why can't you just be satisfied with your husband? But I will give her parents credit. Um, they do seem very supportive. They're trying to understand it. And at one point, her mom is just like, it's just weird. <laughs> I, I just, I really appreciate when parents have no problem just flat out saying what they feel to their kids about, like, decisions they make. And you can tell she's not trying to be hateful. She's not trying to be ignorant. She's just like, damn, I did not, like, damn, this is a lot different than anything I've dealt with before or anybody I know. Um... And this I found interesting. Elisa says that to her mom that she wants someone who is the complete opposite of Mike. You know, because again, she's very spontaneous and creative and she needs somebody like that um, because essentially Mike isn't. <laughs> Poor Mike. I feel like the subtext of a lot of what Elisa is saying is that Mike is boring as shit and I need somebody that's a little more spontaneous and creative uh, or else I'm going to go crazy in this marriage. <laughs> so then they bring in Elisa's dad. And they bring up um, talking to Mike's family about this. Elisa's dad seems like a very reserved man. He probably lets Elisa's mom take the reins a lot in their relationship. And so he says in the talking head, in a talking head with Elisa's mom as well, that this is also his second marriage. And he knows that marriages are difficult. And so he puts it in a very nice way that, you know, if you add more pieces to the puzzle, it can make them harder to connect and fit together. 
So essentially he's saying if you add more people into this relationship, it's going to fucking complicate things. <laughs> but again, he's receptive. And actually Elisa's parents um, bring up, you know, well, first they talk about how Mike's mom, so Elisa's in-laws, are not happy about this. And they think that Elisa is essentially forcing Mike into doing this. And... Obviously, Elisa doesn't want her in-laws to hate her. She wants them to be all copacetic with her finding some new dick. And so she asks her parents for advice on how they should go about talking to Mike's parents about this. And Elisa's mom actually suggests, like, having Mike's parents come visit, or Mike's mom at least, come visit, and then they can all get together and talk about it. So, like, Elisa's parents will be there as a support for them and to, to talk about it. Um, obviously, Elisa was hoping this. <laughs> it's so obvious. Elisa's like, I don't know what to do about this. Um, you know, I, I don't want my in-laws to hate me. And as soon as Elisa's mom brings up, well, wouldn't it be, would it be a good idea if we brought her down and we all talk to her? <laughs> Elisa's like, yeah, perfect. You can do all the work for me. Um, and obviously Elisa is hoping that if Mike's mom sees that her parents are okay with it, then, you know, they'll come around to it and be okay with it. And based on what we see from the upcoming episodes and that conversation they have with his parents, whew, they have some things to say to Elisa, especially when it comes to the cheating. So I'm excited to be seeing that soon. Um, I don't know if it'll be next episode, episode three, we'll see. Um, so the last segment that we see with Elisa and Mike in this episode is they are back at their apartment, and this is when Elisa decides to show Mike her dating profile. So her fun, flirty wine glass pictures in her cute little cover-up with flower, you know, all that type of shit. Very standard, you know, I'm a cute, fun, intelligent wine girl type of, uh, picture. She claims it was both of their ideas to find her a partner. <laughs> Again, I'm not really fully convinced by that, but we're only in episode one. I will keep my mind slightly open. <laughs> um, and so she's showing her pictures and the rest of her profile to Mike. And Mike sees a part that Elisa says that, um, you know, must have deep connections or something. If you can't go deep, no pun intended, this isn't going to work out. And you can tell that, like, sent a shiver up Mike's spine. I think he saw a light flash before his eyes. And that light then showed a figment, you know, of his wife and another dude fucking in his spare bedroom. Mike did not like that line. But he played it off like, oh, that's, <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Just wasn't expecting that. And... Mike keeps looking dead in the eyes, saying, you know, he he accepts that she's going to be on dating profiles. That's primarily how people date now. And she he, he accepts this, okay? Mike is on board. Even if the look on his face completely argues otherwise, Mike is down for this. And this was also his idea, okay? Um, Elisa then asks Mike, you know, would you want to meet somebody if I'm see if I started seeing somebody and it's getting, you know, more serious and I'm getting feelings for them? 
And she really starts pressing, like, you know, would that bother you to see me with somebody else? To, you know, see me kissing somebody or to hold hands? Would that be hard? Would, would that be hard for you? And, of course, Mike's like, well, yeah, I mean, it won't be that easy for sure. And then they bring up the rules that they've established for this whole thing. And first and foremost, they say that their marital bed is their bed. They are not going to share it with somebody else. But then Elisa gets, like, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and brings up, well, now we have a second bedroom. And so in her mind, Elisa is like, oh, I got the second bedroom, so that's going to be my bang pad. And it's going to be all kosher. Uh, Mike will meet whatever guy I'm enjoying. And we'll just go in the spare bedroom and have sex, and it'll be no big deal. Like, easy-peasy, we're all good, right? Well, Mike does not like that. He does not like the idea of anybody coming to their apartment. Um, And he likes it as being like their space and it's only their area for them. And clearly Elisa thinks differently and has been thinking differently because then she brings up the, well, you know, what if you're out of town? Like you have a bachelor party next weekend. You know, what if I met someone and, uh, you know, we came back here and we just used the second bedroom. And Mike is clearly like, no, I'm not into that, but I I guess you are. And they kind of end on the note that no, nobody is going to be coming to their apartment anytime soon. Um, But based on Elisa bringing up this, oh, what if you're out of town? Oh, you know, you have a bachelor party next weekend. I think Elisa's already planning on bringing someone home. You know, I'm no rocket scientist but it does seem i can put two and two together and uh yeah i think elisa is going to be fucking somebody in that second bedroom when mike's out of town just just putting that out there (laughs) so that's where we end with elisa and mike i am compelled by this couple i think mike is not on board for this i'm excited to see what his parents have to say to elisa about this especially they seem to think the cheating part has to do with a lot of this I'm excited to see what kind of dudes Elisa goes on dates with and who she's coming up with or who she's matching with on uh, these dating profiles. So yeah, yeah. I For our first couple introduction, I, I enjoyed them for sure. Now let's move into the second couple that we meet, Kenya, Carl, and Tiger. They are from Houston, Texas. And we first get a shot of Kenya you know, doing what every good woman with two husbands should do, making them do shit and move things around the house for her. So she's having Carl and Tiger move um, their bed so she can, like, move the carpet or something. I don't know. But Kenya definitely knows how to have two husbands, and I really appreciate that about her. So her and Carl have been married for 26 years, and then Tiger and Kenya have been together, spiritually married, whatever they consider it, for 10 years. So this has been a long-term thing. Uh, And Kenya says that her and Carl own multiple businesses and have authored some books together. Now, I mentioned before when Mike was saying he had read psychology books and dating books, I wonder if he read any of Kenya and Carl's. (laughs) And I looked up one of their some of their book titles because I was like what kind of books are they writing and I'm not surprised they're like dating relationship type of books one of them is called 
Change Your Man, How to Become the Woman He Wants. Okay. And then um, Tame Your Woman, How to Become the Man She Needs. So, okay, I guess there's some equality there. And then also I saw another book, which I think is their more most recent one called Up-Level Communication, Up-Level U-P-L-V-L. So I'm assuming that's like some brand that they have created of relationship courses or something like that. Um, so yeah, it seems like they have a lot of books about like communicating, probably how to communicate that you want multiple partners, that kind of stuff. I'm curious, like, what are their credentials to give love advice? Like, are they count? Like, I, I, I don't think they're therapists. I don't think they've studied psychology of relationships. I don't, I mean, maybe they're only credentials that they're polyandry or that, uh, they have brother husbands. Um, Hey, I, no hating. By the looks of their apartment, they seem to have a very, very nice apartment and seem to be doing well. Tiger is an investor, and he says that he pretty much just watches screens in the stock market all day. And he seems... Okay. I mean, if you're going to write books about relationships and shit, people buy them. By all means, go for it. I also want to know what their multiple businesses online are. It's giving a little Jen Shaw. But... I don't want to go too far. You know, I won't, I won't judge that much. <laughs> um, so anyways, yeah. Also, I noticed too, I was, I Googled Kenya and Carl and they, I found some old interviews on like Good Morning America and stuff from like 2019. And I think these people may be polyamorous and not polyandry because I saw briefly in one of those interviews that Carl is talking about how he f found himself attracted to a woman he worked with. And so they talked about taking on multiple partners. So I'm curious if Carl has other women that he sees as well. And they're just not talking about that because it's seeking brother husband. I don't know. Anyways, so Carl and Kenya, like I said, they've been together for 26 years, legally married. And they have three kids. And as soon as they decided to take on another husband, they told their kids immediately what was happening, what it was, what it wasn't. I'm not sure how I would feel having that conversation with my parents. But I appreciate the honesty and upfrontness they have with their family. I will give a lot of, like, as much shit as I talk about these uh, couples and stuff, I will, at the end of the day, give them a ton of kudos for actually being willing to like talk to their partner about the things that they need and um, their desires and their wants. And even though it's funny for me to make fun of Mike and say he's dead behind the eyes and, you know, Elisa just wants to fuck dudes and he just wants to like eternal sunshine, the spotless mind himself. Um, I do appreciate that he's willing to entertain the idea. And I appreciate that Elisa, Elisa brings it up and I appreciate that Kenya and Carl, when they got 12 years into their marriage, decided to talk about this. Um, you know, I, I think in our society, we're taught that we can only love one person and that if we're ever attracted to somebody else that isn't our partner, that we are a bad person or that there's something inherently wrong with our relationships. Um, and that's not always the case. I'm also not saying, oh, if you cheat on your partner, you're amazing. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's obviously a lot of nuance to this type of stuff. 
Um, so I will give a little caveat, a little bit of a um, side note that I appreciate the upfront and honesty. Uh, I don't know how I would react, though, if my parents set, you know, sat me down and my other siblings had said, well, you know what? We're taking multiple partners. Mom's going to get another boyfriend. Or you're going to get a second daddy. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I just, if you knew my parents, you were laughing at this too. Because the idea of my parents saying this to me. But hey, um, I'm glad they're all open with their kids and stuff. So that's good. And I think Tiger also has a son. And I assume he has a relationship with Kenya as well. So that's good. Uh... This, I think, though, is probably the most hilarious part of the story is that she met Tiger at a Halloween party and he was dressed up as Tiger Woods. <laughs> and I mean that this is funny as in that is the lamest shit I've ever heard in my life. How creative. Oh, you're a guy named Tiger, so you're dressed up as Tiger Woods. <laughs> cool. Shame on you, Kenya, for finding that, for falling for that. <laughs> But anyways, Tiger says, you know, they shared a, a very romantic dance at the Halloween party. And, you know, that led him to thinking, oh, okay, I'm, I'm going to pursue Kenya. She seems fun. <laughs> so then um, Kenya tells us that Carl fulfills more of her psychological, you know, intellectual sides. Um, mind you, Carl looks very professorial. You know, he's got the, the cardigan sweater, or the car sweater with like the collared shirt out underneath. He's got like the long braids and the glasses. Um, and then Tiger definitely looks more like a, the office business type, type of guy. Definitely someone who's an investor working in business, works with money, that type of stuff. Uh, and she says Tiger is more of like her adventure seeking traveling side. I think, okay, Cool, I get it. You're multifaceted. This man uh, fulfills your needs in this regard. Tiger fulfills it in another way. But what about their other sides? You know, what about Carl's other side? Which also then leads me to think he has probably another partner too. Anyways. <laughs> um, this I also love. We see another scene where... Kenya is sitting on the couch as she directs her husbands on where to hang her heart, her art up on the wall, which I just love that. Kenya, I said before, she knows how to have two husbands, and really we could all take a, a page out of her book, so I'm loving this. And then um, they go into their kind of talking point things about their relationship, and she tells them, you know, whenever she meets guys, she tells them right away that I'm in two long-term marriages, and... Then Tiger asks, well, how do the men react when you say that? And according to Kenya, she says that most of them react well. I'm, I debate that. Uh, well, no, now that I think about it, because some men are fucking pigs. So some of them actually could be like, oh, I could be your third. <laughs> I could totally see that. Um, and then Kenya explains more that she's looking for a relationship that is less time consuming than her ones with Carl and Tiger. And again, essentially, this just sounds like Kenya wants to go dancing, she wants to have drinks, and she wants to get some strange. Plain and simple. And, you know, she wants a third bedroom so she can bring home that strange and not have to worry about it, okay? Tiger explains it's going to take some time to get used to all of this. Um, you know, it's, it's very obvious that Tiger is used to being the new boy, the new guy, the, you know, the shiny new toy that 
you know, it's like uh, he's the Robin. He is always the one, or well, maybe in this case he was the Christine in season one. And then now, you know, Kenny is looking for a Robin. Well, maybe not a Robin, but uh, a Robin that she can go and get drinks and dance with. How about that? And so Tiger's feeling threatened, obviously. And so she's definitely um, on the prowl looking for a new guy. She wants some space to be able to cultivate that relationship. And it seems like Carl is like, yeah, I'm used to this. Yep, you just got to come to terms with it, bud. And Tiger is definitely sweating, for sure. He he definitely feels threatened by all of this. Then we see Kenya again in the living room. She is playing with her dog, Moonstone, which I think is a cute name for a dog. It is very cute. Then, um... They have a two-bedroom apartment. So this is where we find out their sleeping arrangement. Carl just has his own bedroom. (laughs) So, you know, Carl's just living the life. He has his own room. He's off, you know, I guess whenever him and Kenya want to get it on, they do. But otherwise, he likes being by himself. So he doesn't mind just chilling. And it looks like he has, like, a double bed, though. (laughs) I'm like, how do you fit another person in that bed, though? Maybe he sleeps most nights at his other girlfriend's house. Who knows? I'm saying this all allegedly. For all I know, Carl does not have any other partners, but I just think that they do. Based on these books they're writing and all this type of shit, I think that he does. Um, oh, sorry, I just had to do, like, the biggest stretch in the world. Whew, that felt good. Um, and so, yeah, Carl has his own bedroom. He's an introvert. He enjoys it. And then Tiger and Kenya share their bedroom. Obviously, like I mentioned, Kenya wants her own bedroom so she can have some privacy to get that D. And so she wants to sit down with Kenya, with Kenya, with Carl and Tiger to essentially have Carl explain to Tiger that, you know, it's all right. There's no love lost. You know, she just wants to fuck somebody else. And so they're sitting down and Carl explains, you know, obviously when you first came into the family, Tiger... Uh, that was a situation that I had to learn how to accept, um, you know, her sharing a bed with you, yada, yada, yada. Well, then Tiger brings up to Kenya, why do you want another partner? Like, what good will that bring you? And this is an interesting answer. And I feel bad for Tiger in this regard when she starts talking like this. She goes, I like being in love. And as my relationships transition out of that, like with Carl, I was like, oh, excuse me, (laughs) transition out of love? And if I were Tiger, that wouldn't make me feel good to hear. I'd feel very kind of threatened and insecure about that. Like, are you transitioning out of love with me? (laughs) And so that's why you need a third bedroom? Um, And, you know, this brings up Tiger in his mind. He's always going to wonder, is he not enough? And um, Kenya then again brings up like, You know, we're moving from one phase to the next. And I think what she's saying is, like, we're moving out of our phase of, like, having sex all the time. And so I need to find another partner to have sex with all the time. And that's, like, new and novel, maybe. And, you know, Tiger says, yeah, I've noticed that we're transitioning, but more of, like, with our sex and the frequency of it. But I figured that was, you know, because of work. And you can tell Kenya just kind of like laughs it off like, ha, yeah, because of work, I'm sure. And, 
Kenya essentially breaks it down to like she wants sex a lot more than Tiger wants it. And so it creates a lot of like scuffles in the morning for them. Um, and she figures by, you know, having a third bedroom and having a boy toy or some random dick around that she can fuck that will, you know, save them from having arguments in the morning. Simple, you know, just simple, easy solution like that. Um, so, yeah, obviously, like I've mentioned before, Tiger is very insecure about this. And I understand, you know, I think anybody would be. And he's very worried that, um, you know, she's going to get another feeling that she hasn't had with Carl or with um, Tiger, with another man. He's also worried, and I love, this just shows, like, a peek into the difference between, like, some things that men are insecure about and what women are. And he's like, you know, maybe he's a lot bigger than me. Or maybe he lasts way longer than me. Oh, poor tiger. (laughs) So now it is bedtime. So we see, you know, Carl retreat to his room and claiming that he loves it. And then Tiger and Kenya get ready for bed in their room. So, again, Tiger is still not on board with, like, essentially being put out of his room. And he even says, he's like, it feels like I'm just being put out. And, you know, my space is being taken. And he's very attached to sleeping with Kenya. He's attached to waking up with her. And he's feeling threatened. And this is when Tiger starts bringing up that he wants a commitment, like getting married. And Kenya has always been very hesitant. And the reason she's hesitant is because she thinks that weddings are for families to unite and come together and like celebrating that. And she doesn't think that Tiger's parents want to do that. And very interestingly, we find out that like Tiger's mom essentially thinks that he's just dating a married woman and having fun. But like, it's been 10 years. So I get Kenya's point when she's like, no, you need to start accepting like I have been in your this man's life for a long time. I've brought magic to his life. I helped him raise his son. Like, And Tiger's mom needs to recognize that. And then they can celebrate it. Um, So I... Do I think that they should have, like, this ceremony just to prove to Tiger that he's, like, special to her? Because, like, that's not really going to fix anything if he's still insecure about her sleeping with somebody else and, like, having a third bedroom. (laughs) Um... But then they also show in the clips, like, the preview for the merit or for the season. They show Kenya in a white dress, and then she's like, I have two husbands that love me. So I'm assuming they have the wedding. They kind of blew the lid on that. They should have built some more, like, anticipation and stuff and some, like, will they, won't they. You know, TLC, come at your girl. <laughs> I've got ideas. Um, anyways. It ends up, you know, Tiger is still just does not like the idea of Kenya finding another partner. He needs some sort of way to show their commitment to like a wedding, something like that. And Kenya just reassures her man, you know, I'm not giving you up. It's just a change in a paradigm. (laughs) Oh, I feel bad for Tiger. I don't think this is going to end well for Tiger, or at least not for now. (laughs) I think it's going to be a rough transition period I hope they make it through like it seems like they all genuinely care about each other and they seem very happy with each other so you know I hope they can pull through that would make me happy for them um so now let's get to 
the third couple that we meet of the episode, Kim and Dustin and Vincent. Not Vincent. Vincent. V-I-N-S-O-N. So, Kim and Dustin are very typical. So, they're from Asheville, North Carolina. And they very much strike me as, like, hippie mountain people. Uh, Kim is a teacher, and Dustin is a massage therapist. And yes, he looks exactly like a white man with a ponytail uh, who says he's a massage therapist and wants his sex to be spiritual. He's got that big, like, pendant necklace with an open shirt. Uh, He looks like he probably has gone to quite a few uh, Burning Man's. Maybe he's drinking some ayahuasca on the edge of a mountain cliff. They give me that. They also strike me as maybe people who are reluctant of vaccines, but I'm not going to put too much on them. I don't want to put that evil on them quite yet. Uh, So Kim and Dustin have been married for 11 years. Dustin uh, was previously married. So was uh, Kim. And Dustin has two kids from his previous marriage. And then Kim and Dustin also have a kid together named Cohen. That's an interesting name for... I, I just... Cohen. Is that a last name? I feel like that's an interesting first name. I don't know. So, uh, Dustin and Kim met when Dustin went back to college after getting a divorce. And it turns out that Kim was actually one of his instructors. Oh, how about that? And Kim claims that she wasn't sure at first, but then she asked her supervisor and and got the (laughs) go-ahead. Yeah, I'm sure you did, Kim. Sure you did. Uh, And it's really interesting to see pictures old pictures of them together. Dustin looks really different. He's like a very like leather jacket, um, old Navy wearing kind of guy and like with spiked hair. And now he seems very like woo woo. Like I said, he thinks his sex is supposed to be sensual and spiritual. Never trust a white man that says that type of shit. Ah! (laughs) So then we see them in their kitchen preparing lots of vegetables And Kim explains to us that she was raised really traditional Christian. So, you know, no sex before marriage. And so she dated uh, her college boyfriend for a long time. He was a preacher's kid. And then they got married because they wanted to bang like all those Christian kids do. And then they got divorced when they realized, oh, yeah, I guess we grow apart. (laughs) And so when Kim and Dustin got together, they ended up actually having a falling out with Kim's family before they got married. And Kim's family blames Kim's, like, losing her faith on Dustin. But Kim says, you know, she was already having that happen way before she met Dustin anyways. So it's going to be interesting, too, because based on the um, previews for future episodes, it seems like she's trying to talk to her parents about her polyandry and having uh, brother husbands, but it doesn't go well. We'll see. Hmm. Um, so maybe we'll see, I don't, and they don't mention anything about Dustin's family. So maybe Dustin's family's on board or shit, maybe he doesn't have family. That's sad. (laughs) Uh, anyways, Kim says in a talking head, you know, if you told me we would end up taking this path and having multiple partners, I would have never believed it. And then massage therapist Ken next to her is like, well, I'm not totally surprised because of how dedicated we are to each other's spiritual growth And our sensuality and our sexuality are directly tied to that. Yada, yada. Oh, my God. This man likes to watch Kim get banged. I know it. I know it. This man puts out candles. He lights sage and watches Kim get banged by Vincent. I know it. I would put money down in it. Immediately, my radars go up. 
when a white man is talking about spirituality and sensuality when he's having sex. All in one, all in one sentence. Mm-mm. And you know what I'm talking about, people. You know what I'm talking about. Immediately I start going into, ooh, what are you? What do you want with Vincent? I don't think it's just a friendship, Dustin. Hmm. Okay. Let's move on. Now, I'm also sure Dustin is a perfectly nice guy. Hell, I bet he gives a good massage. But I don't want him coming around, probably smelling like old kombucha with that pendant necklace on and a greasy ponytail talking to me about sensuality. Mm -mm Mm-mm-mm. No more. And maybe I'm triggered because maybe I dated a man with a ponytail uh, who talked about sensuality a lot. And I maybe need to process that some more. (sighs) But I don't like this. I don't like this. And I'm going to keep my my judgments to a minimum of Dustin because we don't know much about him yet. But I'm just saying... My radars are up, and if I end up being right, just say, Catherine, you were right. We knew all along because you told us. Okay, so now we meet um, their, well, we start hearing about their partner, or Kim's other partner, Vincent. And this really kind of made me cringe because she is talking to Dustin and says, you know, pretty much Vincent was our guinea pig. So this guy, you know, who's a, Regular human looking for a connection and a partnership with somebody. He's just looked at by Kim and Dustin as like their trial human to figure this shit out with. And it also doesn't add this dynamic that like Vincent is a black man. um, And Dustin and Kim are this white couple that it feels very much like Vincent is in their relationship when he, when they want him to be. And then he is out of the relationship when they want him to be. Or, you know, if it's up to Kim's terms. I don't know, just the dynamic. And then especially when, like, Vincent comes over and they're sitting and talking and it's like Dustin is kind of watching over this conversation between his wife and Vincent, but yet him and Vincent are friends. I don't know. I don't quite know how to articulate what I'm thinking this dynamic is, but I think what really made it weird to me is that Kim called Vincent her guinea pig. And I'm like, no, this is a person like who was trying to have a relationship. He's not just like an experiment for you to try and to like you and Dustin to see what kind of relationship you can have with. I don't know. It just really kind of gave me a little cringe. And it's, I don't think Kim meant something like racist or, uh, like a power dynamic in it, but it could be interpreted that way. And it just, I don't know. Um, also like Dustin was concerned too, if he would have a relationship with this guy, um, I guess like a friendship and a bond over fucking the same woman. And this just, again, makes me think I, Dustin is watching from a peephole, plain and simple. I, I think Dustin likes to watch his wife get fucked by other men. I'm going to put it out there right now. Okay. So, uh, Kim says that Vincent is the first person that she's been with since she's decided to have multiple partners. They met through mutual friends, started messaging through social media. Very, you know, common, I would say. Vincent, uh, says that Kim came into his life in a really, really rough point. He had had two divorces at this point. Um, he has two daughters. And Vincent is very handsome. 
He's very tall, but he also has the most monotone robot voice I've ever heard. Like, I don't know whether to fall asleep to it or feel scared that an AI is watching me. <laughs> it's it's bizarre sounding. Like, if you close your eyes, you would think it's one of those voices from, like, a computer program talking to you that you, you know, like, type in text and then have it read back to you. It's, it's bizarre. I'm not gonna lie. And I, at first I, like, turn, he, he speaks quietly, too, but it's also dead-ass monotone. Monotone. And I, it's startling. I'm just gonna say it at that. Um, Close your eyes and listen to that voice and tell me you don't think a computer is speaking to you. Anyways. Um, so Dustin and Vincent became really good friends. Their families meshed really well together. So like Vincent's daughters got really, got along with Kim and Dustin's kid. Um, you know, it was awkward for Vincent at first, but you know, they bonded over loving Kim so much. And this is interesting. We see a lot of like selfies of them taken together, the three of them, and their eyes look red as the devil's dick. I'm not gonna, I don't want to put anything on them. I'm not gonna say they were high, but they look like a bunch of hippies and <laughs> their friend in the, the mountains of North Carolina smoking some reefer. And good for them. Hey, more, more power to them. Um, then Dustin says in a talking head that he's okay with Kim having multiple partners because he wants to live her life fully. <laughs> okay. Is that why? So that's, you live your life fully by having multiple men? Sure. It's just, I, like, I sound like I'm judging these people like it's bad to have multiple men that you're fucking, like, I don't care, by all means, please. Hit, fuck as many men as you want. Um, but this idea of like, oh, he wants, he's okay with Kim having multiple partners because he wants to live her life fully. It's just such a simple explanation. <laughs> like, I think there's a little more to it, Dustin. Uh, and we'll probably get to that at some point. But, um, so the big issue between the three of them with Kim and Dustin and Vincent is that Kim wants to date around. She wants her cake and she wants to eat it too. She has Dustin, her husband. She has Vincent, her boyfriend, but she also wants that strange on top of that too. So it's not just Vincent and Dustin that are okay with. And Vincent is not okay with that. He's like, I'm not an every other type of person. Like I thought we had a connection. You know, it's one thing that she, he understands Dustin and her relationship and it's interesting, at one point, um, Vincent says, like, I'm not jealous of Dustin. Like, I understand what they have. And at one point, he makes it, it feels really sad. And that's where it comes in this weird dynamic um, where he says, you know, it's all fun. And we know the dynamic is like, you know, it's playtime. And then once it's over, I kind of go home and I'm by myself. And then you two are together. And Dustin's face when Vincent says that kind of makes like a sad frown of like oh damn that's sad uh you know as much shit as I talk about Dustin I do genuinely think Dustin considers Vincent a friend and does care about him and his feelings so I will you know I do like that but essentially it comes down to like Kim's like I want to fuck other people and I want to date and I also want to be with you Vincent <laughs> so they bring Vincent over uh because it's been a while he says he's pulled away since they had been dating, or since 
Kim brought up this whole idea of dating other people and he's pulled away. And so he really hasn't been as close to them and coming around and that type of stuff. So they invite him over for some sad taco soup. And actually that taco soup sounds really good. I love like a taco soup or like a stew. Yum, 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 yum. But they sit down at the table and it is very awkward. You can tell this whole dynamic, like Kim, she's like, I've missed having our friend. I've missed having our whole, you know, like our family. And she's very kind of sweet white lady. Like, I've missed our family, baby. And I'm like, oh, I just, you miss your guinea pig, you mean? <laughs> um, and Vincent says, you know, obviously his kids miss hanging out and stuff. But it's a whole lot of talk, essentially, about where he fits into this relationship. Kim wants to date around. Vincent says, you know, I don't think I can really, like, I get what our dynamic is with Dustin and Kim and me and our relationship with that, but how am I going to fit in when you start dating somebody else? Um, you know, and just, it's more of what Kim is saying. I don't, I don't think anything has changed really. And so Vincent has just came over here for a sad bowl of soup and to be told by Kim, like, yeah, no, if we want to be together, like, you're still going to have to be okay with me fucking other dudes. <laughs> and I think out of all of this, I feel the worst for Vincent. Uh, you can tell he probably was looking for a companionship when Kim and him met. And maybe it was not the most ideal situation because she was married, but it worked and he was able to develop a relationship with Dustin that's meaningful. But now I think it, it what it comes down to is like, Shit's getting real, and he wants a real relationship with commitment and love and maybe that rest, reciprocity, like the reciprocation of, you know, you care about me and I'm special to you in some way. Because isn't that ultimately where I think a lot of the jealousy of this comes from is that, and you see it with Tiger too, of he doesn't want to feel like he's any less special to Kenya. And I think Vincent doesn't want to feel any less special to Kim and having someone else come into the relationship can bring something else that maybe the other person doesn't have and feels insecure about not being able to have oh it just oh man and you can tell that Vincent it stings he says that she wants to date and still wants him in her life you know it brings him it makes him wonder like am I enough is he what Kim wanted in the first place? Just a lot of insecurity. And that's pretty much where we leave off with them. Oh, and from future previews, it's obvious like Vincent is hanging around. He's trying to be a good sport and be there for Kim. Maybe they convince him like, hey, we got this TV show. So will you just stick around for a few months while we film to give us a storyline? <laughs> you know, who knows? But it definitely seems um, Kim is one of those weird ladies that likes to dance at parties and touch people, you know? So she's probably been to a lot of those types of parties. If you've watched um, Polly Married and Dating, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, that was it for the first episode. I liked this first episode a lot. I'm excited to see what happens with the couples. The fourth couple is uh, Chara and then her husband, Patrick, who looks like a human Q-tip. And then her other man in her life, as she calls him, Noble. 
And from what it sounds like with their story is that Char wants to have a baby, but then also find another partner. And so her brother husbands are like, so who are you going to have a baby with then? And chaos will ensue. Can't wait. Anyways, whew, the anticipation was well worth it. So I hope you guys enjoyed this recap. Um, like I said, follow the podcast on Instagram at Adventures in Reality TV. Email the podcast at uh, Adventures in Reality TV at gmail.com. Check out the Twitter if you want. Uh, nobody is following it, but it's there. So <laughs> I highly recommend go follow it at Advent in Reality. Also, leave the podcast a five-star review. Five stars only, damn it. Don't tell me I'm inept in various ways and I have bad grammar. I already fucking know. My teachers have been telling me it for years. Sorry, I'm a little salty. But anyways, <laughs> that's all I have for this week. I will talk to you guys soon. Be good to one another. Don't be an asshole. Bye. This has been a production of See Money Entertainment. Follow us on Instagram at Adventures in Reality TV or on Twitter at Advent in Reality.